Welcome everyone to Torah Today Ministries in our continuing series, Parsha Seasonings, where we look at some of the details in the Hebrew and in the Torah scroll of the weekly Torah portion. And this week we find ourselves in the very first Torah portion of the Torah, and that is Bereshit, which is Genesis 1-1 through chapter 6, verse 8. Um, you know, whenever we come to Genesis, I'm always excited. I just love, love this book. But I'm always frustrated because there's way too much to cover in each weekly portion. And what I have discovered, and others have expressed the same thing, is that when you begin in, in, in Genesis, it's almost like the Big Bang. Uh, everything is compressed. Everything is found here. I've often said that the entire Bible is found in the book of Genesis. And everything in Genesis is found in the first chapter. Everything in the first chapter is contained in the first verse. Everything in the first verse is contained in the first word. And everything in the first word is contained in the first letter. And so the more you look at the beginning of Genesis, there's so much packed in there. It's frustrating to even try to talk about all of it. And even if I were to take hours and share everything I know about this first chapter, this first verse, I'd still just be scratching the surface. Because what I don't know about this far outweighs anything that I think that I do. So anyways, with that said, we're just going to jump in. And my purpose is hopefully to whet your appetite to learn biblical Hebrew, at least enough to where you can do informed word studies from the original text, and also to whet your appetite about studying Genesis, but above all, just to be in awe of our mighty God, because only God could write such a book and pack into it the things that are found here in this opening to the Torah. So without further ado, let's jump right in. Bereshit. Bereshit is the word that we generally translate in the beginning. Bereshit. And Hebrew does not use capital letters, but you'll notice that the first letter of this word is written oversize, and that's the way it's written in every Torah scroll and probably every printed Hebrew Bible as well. It just starts with a large oversized letter, Beit. Now, this letter, Beit, means house. Beit is the word for house. That's why we have Beit Lechem, house of bread, where Messiah was born, Bethlehem. We have Beit El, or Beth El, house of God. And so it's appropriate that the first letter of the Bible be the letter Beit. And the rabbis say it's oversized because this letter Beit represents a house and all the words of the Torah are coming out of the house. And this house is the house of God. So uh, I think that's kind of a cool way to think about this. Now, by looking at this first verse, Bereshit in the beginning, Bara, he created. And you'll notice these three letters of Bara are the same as the first three letters of Bereshit. So Bereshit Bara, in the beginning he created. Who did? Elohim. What did he create? Et Hashemaim, the heavens. Va'et Haaretz, the earth. Now this word et is a word that is not translated into English. Et 
points at the direct object. So, in the beginning, God created. And so, you have the word at to tell you that the next word that comes is what he created. But we don't translate it. But this fourth word, these two letters, which are right here in the middle, seven words, this is the fourth word, that's the middle word of the verse, is the word et, and it's spelled aleph tav, which are the first and last letters of the Hebrew alphabet. It's almost as if this first verse creates a menorah, and the center stalk of the menorah is aleph tav, or in Greek, the alpha and the omega. You'll notice some other similarities. The words on either side of et, the center word, each have five letters. Elohim has five letters and Hashemayim has five letters. And then the words on either side of those, bara, before Elohim, and va'et, after Hashemayim, each have three letters. So we still see the balance maintained. But the first word has six letters, the last word has four, so the balance does not go out to those. But there are other things going on there. We just don't have time to talk about them. Now, I mentioned earlier that everything is, I believe, everything in the Bible is contained here and everything in this first verse contained in the first word. Let's take this first word for a moment and just look at a few of its aspects. And we're going to look at it the way the rabbis look at words in the Bible. They play with the words. They unpack the words. They're like a children with a toy, and they turn it every way. They stick it in their mouths, and, and they t turn it around and see what it will do and take it apart. And this is what occupies the rabbis as they study the Torah. Because no matter how deep you look into something, you still see God there in the details. So let's play this game just a little bit. There's our first word, Bereshit. Now, if we slice that word between the second and third letters, it becomes two words. It becomes the word bar, which means son, like Simon bar Jonah, Simon son of Jonah. Bar means son. And the word ashit means to prepare or to assign. And you find this word ashit by itself uh, further on in Genesis, where God appoints people and assigns things. So if we take bar ashit and make it into two words, bar a son ashit I have prepared, you've got the gospel. A son I have prepared. I always wondered when I started studying the Bible in my teens, and I thought, well, you know, if the gospel is so important, why do you have to read through uh, about two-thirds of the Bible before you come to it. Shouldn't it be right up front? Well, lo and behold, it's there in the first word. A son I have prepared, a son I have assigned. But we can take this word and slice it other ways. I've mentioned before that the letter bait means house, all right? So if we pronounce the letter bait, it's house. The next three letters... Resh, Aleph, Shin, spell the word Rosh, which can mean head or mean first. So, Beit Rosh is how you'd say the first house. But then what do we do with these last two letters, Yud and Tav? Well, if we take their numerical values, Yud is worth 10, Tav is worth 400, 410. 
And believe it or not, the first house and the temple is always called God's house. Uh, the master said, my father's house should be called a house of prayer for all nations. Um, and also on um, Pentecost in Acts chapter 2 says they were all together in the house. They were at the temple because on Shavuot, Pentecost, everyone goes to the temple. In fact, it's a commandment. It's one of the pilgrimage feasts where all the males from Israel are to go to Jerusalem to appear at the temple. So they're all in the house. They were all at the temple. So Beit Rosh, the first house, 410. The first temple, Solomon's temple, stood for exactly 410 years. Then Babylon came and destroyed it. So here in the first word, Bereshit, we find a prophecy concerning Solomon's temple. If we go on a bit more, we find this. Remember in last week's Parsha seasoning teaching, we saw that word dot, fiery law, and the word esh, olive shin, means fire. Well, the two middle letters of Bereshit are olive shin, the word for fire. But what is the fire inside of? Well, the letters before that spell Beit Resh and afterwards Yud Tav. Those four letters together, Beit Resh Yud Tav, spell the word covenant. So we could also see this word as picturing a covenant of fire, a covenant where fire is at its heart. And fire is always a picture of God's holy presence. God desires covenant with his people. And when we enter into covenant with God, we'll find God's holy fire in its midst. That should be exciting and sobering at the same time. There are many more of these I could share with you, but I want to share one more. If we just take the word Bereshit and cut it in two, bara, which we know means he created, because the second word of Genesis is bara, Bereshit, bara. So this means he created. So what did he create? The last three letters are shin, yud, tav. Shit, which is a word that means six. So we could translate this as bara, shit. He created six. Well, six what? Well, this is a question that was asked thousands of years ago as the rabbis played with this word. And we find this fascinating passage in the Talmud. Now, I'm not here to promote the Talmud or to endorse the Talmud as inspired scripture. It isn't. It's a, a, a lot of brilliant rabbis speaking to one another for hours and hours and hours over a period of years. And someone wrote down what they said. That's what the Talmud is. And in the Babylonian Talmud, Tractate Avodazara, page 9a, this is what it says. The world is destined to exist for 6,000 years. The first 2,000 years were of nothingness. The second 2,000 years were of Torah. The third 2,000 years should have been the days of Messiah. But because of our sins, which are numerous, the years that have gone from the Messianic era have gone. Why did they say that? 
How did they derive that human history was to be 6,000 years long and that the last 2,000 years of our history were to be the years of Messiah? It's based here on the opening words of Genesis. Because you see, when you look at the first verse of Genesis, and we think of Barah Shait, he created six. You look at the first verse, you'll notice that there's a letter that appears six times. That's the letter Aleph. There's an Aleph in the first word, Aleph in the second word, third word, fourth word. There's not one in the fifth word, but there's one in the sixth word, one in the seventh. So we see six Alephs here. Now, Aleph is the first letter of the alphabet. And the word Aleph means Lord or Master. And this letter uh, appears in many amazing ways in Hebrew. And, um, and you'll see it means the Lord, the Master. It usually points to God. Uh, the word, the name Elohim, which we see right here, begins with the letter Aleph. The word Adonai begins with Aleph. The word El, one of the simple words for God, begins with Aleph. And there's much more we could say about Aleph, but we're going to move on. So they see these six Alephs here. But here's an interesting thing. This word Aleph, which is spelled out Aleph Lamad Pei, can also be pronounced Elif. Now, what's, when it's pronounced Elif, it doesn't mean Lord and Master. It means 1,000. So, just for fun, the rabbis thought, well, let's pretend each of these Alephs means Elif. And we see six thousands here, six one-thousands. So they then look to, tell, to see if this is a picture that the creation, which takes place here in verse 1, and this verse contains six thousands, then the creation maybe is meant to go for six thousand years. And then they wonder, well, what is the nature of these 6,000 years? So they go on to the next verse. And in the next verse, in Hebrew, it says, Elohim, there's Elohim again. So we see that in the first word, Vaharetz, contains an Aleph, and the word Elohim contains an Aleph. So in this verse, which means the earth was formless and void and darkness was over the surface of the deep and the spirit of Elohim or the wind of Elohim was moving over the surface of the waters. This entire passage contains two Alephs. But what does this passage describe? It describes uh, a scene of chaos, emptiness, darkness, of nothingness. And so the rabbi said, well, the first 2,000 years are going to be 2,000 years of darkness, chaos, emptiness, and nothingness. And sure enough, as you read through the scriptures, from the time Adam and Eve sinned until Abraham comes is a period of 2,000 years. And those 2,000 years were very dark. We see mankind descending into all kinds of sin and violence to the point where God had to 
send a flood of water to destroy mankind, but no one in his family was saved. And then we see his descendants descend into a despicable form of tyranny ruled by Nimrod, a picture of the Antichrist. And they build this tower and, and rebellion against God. So God has come down to confuse the language and scatter them so they don't do more foolish damage. And so all of this covers 2,000 years, a lot of chaos, emptiness, a lot of darkness. But then Abraham is born and everything begins to change. So if we go on to Genesis, through Genesis, we go to the next verse of Genesis and it says, Vayomer Elohim, and God said. And in those two words, we find two olives. Vayomer has an olive and Elohim again has an olive. So they say the next 2,000 years are 2,000 years when God speaks. And with Abraham's coming and God forming a blood covenant with him, God begins to speak. He begins to impart his instructions to mankind. And with Abraham in the world, and Abraham's son Isaac, Isaac's son Jacob, Jacob's 12 sons, who grow into the tribes of Israel, we see a time of God's word growing and flourishing and light coming into the world. And from the time of Abraham until the time of Messiah was 2,000 years. And then we read the next phrase of Genesis. Yehior vayior, let there be light. The word or, light, begins with Aleph. Let there be light and there was light. And they say the next 2,000 years were to be the years of Mashiach, who's to be the light of the world. Now we know the Mashiach, Yeshua, came right on schedule. He came right around the year 4,000 after the creation of Adam and Eve. He came, but his own received him not. We know that light came into the world, but they didn't comprehend the light. But some did. And I'm hoping you're one of those, one of those who, who do comprehend Yeshua as the light of the world. So though much of the world has not seen the light over the last nearly 2,000 years, many have seen the light. So though the Talmud says these past 2,000 years were to be the 2,000 years of Messiah, but because of our sins, we, didn't, we, we missed him. He didn't come. But we know that, in fact, he did come. And he is available to us, even today. And we're coming very close to the end of these 2,000 years. Um, this year on the Hebrew calendar is getting very close to the year 6,000. I wish I had written down the actual date. Shame on me for not remembering the actual year. But you can look it up and easily enough. You can Google it. But we're approaching the end of 6,000 years. And what came after the six days of creation? The Sabbath. And we're looking forward to the millennium the 7,000 years, which would be a 1,000 years of Sabbath peace, where there will be peace on earth. Men will rest from, from uh, making war. 
and from crime and from all the, 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 the famine and sickness and the horrible things that have existed in the world over these 6,000 years of human history and how we look forward to that. So I believe his coming is very near. So 2,000 years of nothingness that goes from the fall of Adam and Eve until the birth of Abraham. Then there were 2,000 years of Torah from the birth of Abraham until the coming of Messiah. And then the last 2,000 years are 2,000 years of Messiah. Now, I want you to understand something. This is not something I am making up. This is something that comes directly from the Talmud and from the, the sages' studies of the opening three verses of Genesis. And what they have written is actually prophetic, whether they realize it or not. And there's so much more I would love to unpack out of this opening word and opening verses of Genesis, but I like to keep these Parsha seasoning teachings fairly short. So at the risk of making a shameless plug, if you would like to know more about the first word, the first verse of Genesis, um, I have written the first volume of my commentary on Genesis, which is called God Prepares a World. And the first 40 pages are about the first verse of Genesis. So I really go into detail. There's more I could have written, but I thought 40 pages is enough. And this commentary covers the first 11 chapters of Genesis. Volume 2 is in the works, and um, I'm determined to get back to work on that and get it into print as soon as possible, so in way too long. But it will take us through the life of Abraham and Isaac. So uh, if you don't mind offering up a prayer for that project that it gets done soon, I sure would appreciate it. Um, I'm, I think it was Walt Whitman who says, I hate to write, but I love to have written. Well, that's me. Writing is just not my thing, but I'm going to make myself do it and get her done. So until next time, I wish you shalom and may God bless. See you next time.